0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. Easter Saturday. Uh, We got a great episode lined up for you guys. Uh, There's been a lot of bad news this week. Uh, uh, But then we also have uh, school holidays uh, for the parents. And uh, we have the Daniel Kinahan drama or the Kinahan drama. So there's a a lot going on. So I want to touch on all those things. Uh, that's coming up on this week's episode of the Des Bishop Podcast. Um, I'm just trying to pretend like I'm organized enough to do that. But uh, before we get going, um, usual gig update, uh, great shows since I talked to you last. Athen Rye, by the way, what a revelation. I'd never performed in Athen Rye, County Galway. Um, and I did the show there on Saturday. And it uh, was It was pumping ended up being like nearly an hour and a half, and the atmosphere uh, was electric. Um, I did actually amend the show a little bit. I took actually, I took out a bit of emotion from it for the sake of, um, I don't know, flow, or there's just a part of the show where it's quite poignant, but the energy does dip quite a bit, and uh, so I kind of, I don't know, I said, let me try to take this out, and I did it again on Thursday in Driecht. Driecht was like one of the best shows of the tour, and I put it back in last night in Bray. And I feel like for every bit of that you gain in terms of just like, it's kind of like the middle of the show, and it's just a little bit of a sort of a, not a pause, but there's like a moment of reflection about my mother dying, and it's kind of sad, and it's poignant, and it's a bit of music, and it's theatrical, and it works. But the whole setup leading up to it, it's very wordy. And I haven't made up my mind, but even though I feel like perhaps I'm taking a touch of poignancy out of the show, the gain that you get in terms of, like funny, energy staying up, uh overall just better flow to the show, and you still have this, you know, you still, it still has like a lot of depth as far as a stand-up comedy show goes. I feel like it's worth taking it out, but I'll make a final decision. I, I mean, I don't really think you needed that much detail on the thought process, but it's been a long journey of the show evolving, and... It's not to say that this part of the show has ever been a problem, but what happens is the funny bits get funnier, uh, bits evolve to the point where they all just get tighter. And as they I, I, I don't mean tighter as in shorter, but just like the punches just become clearer, bang, bang, bang. And suddenly there's just the show gets a little longer, and you you have room to perhaps amend. And I'm at that phase now with the show, but I still don't know if if it's a net gain or a net loss by taking it out. It's definitely a net gain for laughs and energy, but is it a net loss for meaning, you know? Or sort of more of a thorough uh, exploration of grief, uh, comedic exploration of grief um anyway so um where am i tonight waterford sold out but uh unless you're a single i guess there's probably like there's always like one or two stray single seats you know so if you're if you're if you're one perhaps you might find a ticket to waterford but um then next week uh hawkswell there's tickets left and sligo um, which is actually one of the places where horrible things happened the last few weeks, which is very sad. And then um, Nuri, there's tickets left. Uh, actually next week, there's tickets left for all the shows, Thursday and Sunday and Dunleary, there's tickets left. So if you're looking to come to the show next weekend, it's a good uh, time to come. And then uh, Newbridge actually, I think is, is sold out or just about to be sold out. And then that's a tour over hard to believe. So anyway, um, do check that out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I this Sligo thing—it's very upsetting, and um, I've gotten I've gotten numerous messages uh, about you know things I should post, and honestly, I, 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 I haven't got much to say other than it's just very upsetting. I don't know what me having an opinion on it will do. Um, you know, it's just it's just upsetting. Uh, hate attack, homophobic hate crime—very upsetting. Hard to believe that this can still exist. I'm sure that there's some mental health issues, some, you know, probably I would assume some repressed or suppressed, I don't even know the right word to, you know, homosexuality in this particular person based on a very rigid kind of faith that they were raised in. So the whole thing is horrific. And... You know, it turned out that this guy was uh, Muslim, so of course that ramped up some Islamophobia. It's funny how uh, people can be so angry about a crime; they can be so angry about a homophobic hate crime that they will then post Islamophobic stuff uh, and obviously anti-immigration stuff. Um, but it, it's, it, it, it. You know, it, it is what it is. These sometimes these crimes in recent times have sort of captured the attention of the nation. Some people were asking me to compare different reactions. Honestly, like, I just don't... I I, I don't get involved in any of that stuff. I think it's just... it's. The one thing that I think would be a positive take from this in terms of people's reaction, I don't mean there's anything positive about it, was it would be to remind people that despite huge strides that have been made in uh, rights for gay people, gay marriage... Uh, you know, less fear. Um, This was actually a collection of homophobic attacks in Sligo, but also a separate incident earlier in the week. where A gay rugby player was attacked so that actually hate crimes against gay people are still quite common. So uh, many battles have been won, but the war is still being waged. I think we can forget that sometimes, especially when, you know, you sort of get wrapped up in, uh, you know, different arguments about LGBTQ rights and different things, uh, you know, you can start, to, it can get a bit pedantic or you can start to feel that, you know, you can just get wrapped up in stuff that's uh, that's more complicated uh, than it needs to be. But you need to be reminded that uh, the reason why there is, is such a, a strong and ever-growing movement for uh, rights for gay people is because they still, to this day, even in a country as progressive as Ireland, are not safe. Now, I know that there's been an increase in crime everywhere, which is another story that I want to talk about. So we, none of us feel, at, perhaps a lot of us feel not as safe as before, but let's not compare these things. Very specific homophobic hate crimes still exist. So keep that in mind uh, the next time you're sort of maybe drifting into the zone of enough already with the gay, you know, it, it, there's still reasons to be fighting and there's still discrimination. And there's definitely, uh, verbal and physical abuse happening to gay people just for their sexual orientation. So, uh, sad for those family. I feel like, uh, you know, these people, well, particularly Aiden Moffat, were kind of very connected to the community. So I, I, feel like there's a bit of a communal grieving going on over there in Sligo. So, my sympathies to everybody in Sligo. I feel like uh, that's a, that's 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 a community pain as well as uh, the pain of uh, both of their families. So, uh, but it does bring me to a, a, another point that perhaps might not resonate as much with Irish people. But uh, Bethany Frankel from the Real Housewives of New York, you know, posted this like very, uh, you know, scaremongering video on instagram where she was talking about the demise of new york which is by the way a story that's being pushed very hard since the beginning of the pandemic you know new york ended up a bit of a ghost town and there was a sense of you know the the right-wing media particularly was really trying to portray this kind of like night of the living dead sense of just like only the dregs of humanity were out there sort of you know trying to feed on the remnants of what was left of new york you know um and, and they've been pushing this narrative now essentially for two years that New York is dead and the city will never come back. And listen, I, like so many cities and so many places, there has been changes as a result of the pandemic. And there has been an increase in crime. There is an increase in crime since the pandemic. And it's it's multifaceted. I, I, by the way, I am not one to speak with authority on what I think are the various causes of crime. But what I do know is that there is an agenda that's coming from uh, particularly right-wing media sources that is basically that uh, post-BLM defund the police, that America has become less safe. Now, I have no problem uh, being open to one of numerous aspects of an increase in crime may be a disconnect between the community and the police force, and that part of the uh, reaction to Black Lives Matter may have left, uh, p- p- maybe a touch of overreaction to policing. In that society requires policing, and we we need to uh, we need to come to a better and quicker understanding of. Good and bad policing, and actually get a more effective policing happening, particularly in the United States, where there has been this real sort of shift in policing. However, it is not the immediate cause of violence that these right wing media sources are trying to connect it to. You know, it's just a very tidy argument for them. At a time where you've had a two year pandemic and society has had a massive flux, you are going to have these. Uh, these negative repercussions. You can't directly relate it back to one thing. Uh, so obviously then also these right-wing media sources, they want to point out that it's Democratic-run cities. Anyway, long story short, Bethany Frankel jumps on the bandwagon, right, of the demise of New York. Now I do want to point out that I've been in New York for most of the pandemic. I actually own an apartment in New York. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an owner. I'm a property taxpayer. I'm a now... Uh now uh, because I was in the New York for the pandemic, paying New York City tax, so now I'm actually a taxpayer who has a right to have an opinion, and the way that New York is being painted is just not true it's not true I've been there almost the entire time now I know come at me, I spent a lot of time on the beach in West Hampton, so. That's taken away my street cred. I get it. It's taken away my street cred. I spent a lot of time in the beach. Who am I? You know, with almost an illusion of a one percenter life, which is not actually true. But with I don't I don't need to rationalize how we ended up with a house on the beach. But I have been in New York, particularly for the second year. You know, twenty twenty one. I've been in New York. I've been gigging every night, and it's just not. It's not this <laughs> desolate. That's that's Fry getting excited. It's not the desolate place that. Uh, people are trying to portray right like not in the slightest but crime is up this is a real thing okay crime is up this is real okay and we are gonna have to get to the bottom of why crime is up uh, but people just want to jump it back to that sort of 70s and 80s you know death of american cities narrative which is just not the case you know this is a recent two-year phenomenon of a crime rate rising to nothing compared to those 1970s and 80s uh you know um, the the crime rates it's just not the same it is just not the same so just throwing out this new york is dead thing is just so irresponsible not to mention that the thing that motivates this post is a horrific mass shooting on the subway which has nothing to do with the increase in crime and everything to do with another mass shooting not going to get into a gun crime debate you know, bored to fucking death, I'm anti-gun. I just, I've lived most of my life in a society where people don't need to have guns, okay? Other than, you know, uh, drug dealers who I also want to talk about, but we'll talk about that in a second. But I'm, I am I, I just don't understand why Americans are so hung up on guns, but a society with a lot of guns, we have a lot of mass shootings, right? This is a mass shooting. It happens in New York, so people want to chuck it into this. Crime is on the rise. So Bethany Frankel, you know, throws out, oh, uh, New York is dead. But it's like, what about, you know, Sandy Hook, mass shooting, absolutely horrific. Were people saying that Connecticut is dead? Which I think is actually where Bethany Frankel lives, you know? Uh, You know, mass shooting in San Antonio. Just mass shootings, they happen all the time. It has nothing to do with that particular city or that particular state or that particular area, you know, having increase or decrease in crime. It's a completely separate thing. This is like, this is a very specific incident. It has nothing to do with the demise of New York. Not to mention that this guy, who's originally from New York, was living in Milwaukee. He didn't come back and suddenly feel like, oh, New York is 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 now lawless, and I can just go and open fire on the subway. He was having a severe mental health episode, you know, and he had, you know, deep seated resentments. Uh, about the mental health system uh, you know which of course you know apparently he's been ranting and raving on youtube and you know y- you couldn't disagree with some of the things he's saying you know clearly underfunded mental health services clearly bad health service in general clearly bad housing policy i mean listen you, you know you, it's it's not a manifesto of, of somebody that we're going to celebrate but i mean you know some of the points that this guy's ranting and raving about they're very true the problem is that he's got you know severe mental health problems and I guess bipolar, I have no idea what drives that paranoid schizophrenia. I don't know what it is, but all I know is he got so deep into the mental health that he, you know, he he reacted in this way. It's very upsetting. It's a psychotic episode. You know? But, like, why would you then, especially somebody who's such a big public figure, who, by the way, recently, uh, you know, uh, brought herself such serious goodwill, you know, did some phenomenal fundraising for Ukraine. Why would you chime in on this with these right-wing talking points because, you know, like, uh, remember how uh, the world rallied around New York after 9-11. Now, I'm not comparing this mass shooting to 9-11, but what I'm saying is 9-11 tied into this sense of national pride, but it was also, uh, you know, a, a time of of, you know, intense loss and hurt for New York, and people were like, Let's rally around New York. So why would you not also be rallying around New York now and being like, oh, isn't this awful? People have been affected. Our subway system—it feels less safe. Don't, don't turn around and be like, New York is dead. Turn around and be like, let New York tough, well, New York strong. You know, but but no, you don't do that because you you've been fucking knee deep in Fox News, I assume. So you want to you want to like use it to score political points to say New York is dead. You don't even live in New York anymore, you know. And then, you know, I see people in the comments and they're like, I live in New York and, you know, I've been harassed. And like, you just know it's not true. Just be honest. Crime is up, yes. There have been some horrific crimes, yes. But it's not the the picture that you're trying to paint. You want to paint that picture because you want to make that point that New York is dead because the lunatics are running the asylum because of police cuts. You know, you, you... you want that, you know? And they've been trying to make that point all... Anyway, I'm not going to get into, like, all the, the the New York stuff. Anyway, it just... It, for me, personally, it's always about the guns. These mass shootings, it's just too easy for them to happen. God, it's so boring, repeating yourself. But these Americans are just blind. Like, just blind you know and by the way it's so funny because now biden's in so they're saying this is biden's america Uh, how many mass shootings do we have when trump was around it's the same shit there's no difference you know they're they're just trying to create this brand new narrative that suddenly you know crime is on the rise because you know these democratic run cities they don't control police. you know that trump was president and there were mass shootings tons of them you know a lot of this this quote unquote demise of the city happened under trump you know, and then, but then they don't, they don't blame Trump. They say because it's Democratic-run cities. But like, yes, they're blaming Biden. Now that Biden's in charge, it's all nonsense. The truth is that America is one of the only countries in the world that has these consistent mass shootings, and it's because of the prevalence of guns. Anyone who argues otherwise is ignoring the facts. You know, sport, finance, almost every aspect of modern life has been positively affected or certainly has been seriously affected by the growth of analytics, of data-driven information and action derived from that data. Why, when it comes to guns, are we just completely ignoring the very obvious data? This does not require a you know, seriously gifted computer programmer to create an algorithm, to break down the data, to break down the analytics. This requires any fucking Egypt, like me, who actually was terrible at math, any Egypt to look and say, look at the rest of the world. Look at the whole continent of Europe. Let's not even look at countries in Europe. Let's look at the entire continent and see how many people are dying in mass shootings and gun crime. They happen... But there's just no comparison. The entire fucking continent. I mean, what is the population of Europe? I don't even know. You know, but I would I would assume Germany, France, and the UK alone is is pretty pretty close to the US population. Uh certainly if you include Spain and Portugal, you have to be at US population. Uh, you're just not getting these crimes. You know, so uh, it doesn't take a genius. God, God forgive me for such simplistic arguments, but it doesn't take a genius to to say this is about gun crime. But of course, Bethany Frankel is not going to get up there and start r- raving about guns because I'm pretty sure she's leaning towards the fox camp these days. Um, so that's that. Uh, that's my little rant on that. Um, Give me a moment while I have a swig of tap water. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Ah, sorry that you might have got the sound of my swallowing there. I'm just going to do one more. Oh, wonderful! So, um. I, is it, I don't know if it's, uh, it's not that I, I, how do I just, I, I, I'm fascinated by the Kinahan drug cartel. Is that, is that okay to say? Um, And I, 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 this is, this this is not positive about the Kinahan drug cartel, uh, but I just want to say before we talk about any of this that uh I am a comedian, and I will be trying to um, I will be talking about this in an irreverent way, so uh disclaimer i'm only fucking about I am more than aware of the pain and suffering that is caused by the drug trade, okay, so i'm not dismissing any of that, but I do want to talk about uh this 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 this, this moment where the Kinahan drug cartel becomes essentially the drug enforcement agency's most wanted. And how it, it, it's its such a strange phenomenon, what Netflix has is doing to my mind. Because I don't know if anybody else identifies with this, but you kind of almost watch this story unfolding as if it's part of the series, because all the narcos mexico uh colombia, you know pablo Escobar, the cali cartel um the you know the 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 Mexican one with whatever his name has gone out of my head um and then El Chapo Guzmán they always end when the u s decides that they want them, you know, so it's always the u s that ends the reign of whatever cartel is killing it. And now the U.S. has gotten involved with the Kinnahans, and it seems like it, it's getting close to the end game. But I guess the weird thing about Ireland is that Ireland is so small that you almost feel like a connection to it, to a degree, right? Um... Which, you know, I think the jokes are, you know, obviously the jokes are like, you know it's horrible, but you're kind of rooting for them. But I'm not even going to get into all that humor because that's kind of bullshit. It's not even true. It's not true. But what I will say, what I do think is true is that the fascination is real. And I have a fascination with it. And I'm not saying that's a positive. I'm just saying that it's true. And, you know, I think there must, that... It must. I must not be the only one because the Sunday World and various Irish uh, publications write about the Kinahans a lot. Uh, Nicola Talent has really made like a large career of following their stuff. And, you know, I'm not critical of her because actually I find her reporting fascinating. And I've, I listen to her podcast sometimes. And, you know, over the years, what I've learned more and more because my other favorite show, by the way, is Gamora, which I'm currently watching season five and i was fascinated to find out that you know uh daniel uh, Kinahan uh, actually has uh, you know Kimura connections so uh i i learned a lot about that from her but then the 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 the, the stranger fascination or like the kind of the weirder thing for me is that living here in Rialto and Dolphins Barn, the proximity to some of the players is so strange because you know I know people that have connections to them, not criminal connections, but just like family connections. So it's really strange because you, you, the, the, this, the degrees of separation from the Irish Pablo Escobar, the fucking... Lepre cartel—I mean, whatever you want to call it—you know—is very close. So this morning, I'm reading an article in the Irish Times, and, um, you know, they're kind of breaking down the the rise of, of of Christy Kinnahan. And, you know, they're they're from like the fucking Oliver Bond. You know what I mean? Like they're from just down the road. It's so fucking—it's so strange, you know and uh I, I i didn't realize so so one of the things that uh, i was kind of surprised about which is like it's so stupid because you know i i kind of i guess i knew before but i forget that the crumlin drimna feud which was just a huge story whatever it was like 15 or 17 years ago it was just so present in this area one of the murders happened around the corner uh but also a girl i know was actually going out with one of the guys that was assassinated like i just i, I like, you know people that are connected to this fucking feud, but that feud, you know, that, that gang, the kremlin Drimnik gang, they were actually the distributors for cocaine that Kinahan was starting to flood the Irish market with from Spain, you know? And that was also during the Celtic Tiger where, you know, eventually you ended up with this weird world where, like, I guess closer to my world, you know, people going out to, like, fancy clubs and shit, but, like you know, somebody died of a cocaine overdose. And then suddenly it was like the worlds were colliding, the Celtic tiger excess, uh, you know, the, the rise of the Kinahans, the drumlin, the Crumlin, drum the feud, like all these things tied together. It was like, it really became like part of life here. You know, this story, like the prevalence of this story, but, you, I kind of forgot in the, the sort of the recent sort of iteration of the Kinahan story, the boxing and the 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 fact that it turns out that they're like one of the main narco traffickers in Europe, allegedly. Uh, you know, you kind of forget that the the beginning of the story, the earlier version, season one of the Netflix series, is uh, the rise of of Christy Kinnahan uh, getting arrested. For uh, you know, uh, possession of heroin, uh, in in the eighties, doing six years, and you know, a few arrests in Europe. Uh, according to this Irish Times article, where he actually started to make connections in prison. I mean, you know, basically, European prison was like fucking narco trafficking school, uh, you know, and you know, by the time the Celtic Tiger kicks, enough connections to be the main distributor to Ireland. And what you know, Fat Freddie Thompson. Uh, you know, it's from Maryland, right behind here. Again, you know, just like people around here, they 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 know these people, you know. And then, anyway, whatever. Other people that I knew, you know, a, a friend of mine was actually was was actually murdered. But uh, when I say a friend of mine, I knew him before he got deep into it, and then he ended up getting deep into it and uh, uh, got too deep, and uh, he he was mowed down uh, in Drimna. Uh, I was living in China at the time, and I remember uh, the Irish Independent said, uh, you know, I think it was like, you know, uh, known drug, whatever it was, known something um, murdered on his sister's lawn in Drimna, and I knew that it was going to be about my my buddy. Well, sorry, my buddy, but, you know, he was like, he was a good friend that I had lost touch with because he got too deep into this shit, way too deep. Um... So this is what I mean. It's just, Dublin's just a small place. So particularly because you end up, like, in recovery, you end up meeting people that perhaps used to be involved in that world. It just makes you feel a little connected and, you know, or, or sorry, it makes you, not, not connected. You, you know what I'm saying, you know? Because I, I actually remember meeting this guy, this guy that ended up being murdered outside the center in Rialto with my mother. I may have actually told this story before, but my mother was visiting and, uh, I I I introduced them, and I remember I I pulled him to the side, and I was like, "You gotta stop, bro! Like you've made, you know, like he, you know, he was he was really killing it in the in the game, and I was literally said, watch any of the fucking movies, you know.' The mistake that everybody makes is they don't get out. You got to get out, you know. And of course, he didn't get out, and the money and the power, you know, too much of an attraction. Any any and he died. It's pointless, you know, like like the story is always the same. Like, the story is now the same for these guys. These, the kings, uh, like, king narco traffickers in Europe are now at that, well, what most likely will be endgame, you know? Um, And I I think Freddie Thompson is, you know, like, it's just not a good ending. I just don't get it, you know? I I understand the attraction, I understand the the power, uh, you know, and and how that, that in itself was probably an addiction But I don't know why, it's just, I don't, I get, maybe the ones that actually do it right are the ones we never hear about. They make money and then they disappear. They, They live in fucking Chile, you know, in the mountains for the rest of their lives. Like, um, like Amado Fuentes, according to, uh, some, uh, conspiracy theories, but, uh, yeah, this Irish Times article was basically saying that Daniel Kinahan, the the, the son, who's kind of like the main figurehead now, the, the the demise really was his desire for fame. The other fucking drug and all this. Now I, I you know whether that's true or not, I don't know, but you know, that, that sense of you know, if you want to legitimize your money, you really shouldn't do it like at the figurehead of like a high profile sport like boxing, you know? Um And I think that whole thing of like suddenly now boxing is turning their back on them because finally, well, the DEA now says like that they're the most wanted. Now they turn their back, but they didn't care before because the reality is that there is uh, there is a romanticizing about what they're doing. You know, like everybody gets caught up in that. You know, this sense of oh, it's fucked up what they're doing, but you know, they're, they're they're doing good by giving money to the sport. I don't know whatever way they were rationalizing it, but like he was flooding boxing with with drug money you know um and again i'm not i'm not giving i'm, I'm not given a judgment but i'm just saying that like now because of this development from the usa now they turn their back it's just kind of it's it's cynical really isn't it you know it's fucking cynical so and they always make the same fucking mistakes. It's so funny. Like, they're watching Gamora again, you know, whatever. It, you know, you think you watch these shows and you're like, it can't be like that. But then you watch it happen in real life and you're like, it is like that. They make the same fucking mistakes. They either end up too high profile or they get in a fucking war, you know? Like, the fucking guerra, the fucking war always fucking brings the heat. And, you know, it's like, it's like, it's literally like play by play, you know? The and feud brings fucking intense scrutiny. And really, that, that was That was really the beginning of the end, you know? And, of course, the monk, just, I mean, that's a whole other story about, you know, Dublin being too fucking small and, and, and people knowing people. I mean, he's like a fucking hero at the north side. You know, the first Dublin place I ever stayed was in Buckingham Street, across from fucking flats that the monk, I'm pretty sure the monk fund, funded the development of these flats. You know, he's like a hero over there you know and uh whatever they they killed his brother and or his nephew i think it was nephew and uh one thing leads to another and you have the regency killings and it's just like i've seen this episode i've seen this episode this war is going to bring a lot of death and a lot of cop a, a lot of garda uh, attention and uh, it's not going to be good for you guys bad for business wars are bad for business It seems crazy that you can talk about real life as if you're talking about a Netflix series. Um, So it's going to play out the way it's going to play out. Why I'm not like one of these like intense, I don't throw out this intense condemnation is because the reality is that everybody is complicit. So the judgment is pointless because... I mean, I don't take drugs or I don't drink, but if I was still drinking, I'd be sniffing Coke and I wouldn't be thinking every sniff is fucking funding this shit, but it is. And it it it's the way of the world. This fucking drug trade is highly profitable, highly violent, and the way that we've been trying to deal with it up to now doesn't work and I don't know what the solution is. I really don't. But the way that we do it now doesn't work. I only wish that there was some way to have more positive outcomes for the incredible amount of profit. It just seems hard to watch these Netflix shows or to follow the story of the the Kinnehan's and their intense financial success. It's hard not to say how is there not a way to legitimize this business in some way and have a more positive financial benefit for society. And I know that you're getting into legalization or decriminalization, and I've talked about it before. I am not up on it enough. I know that there are pros and cons to all the different arguments, but what we're doing isn't working. But there is intense profit, and I just wish, I wish that there was a way to receive a positive benefit. And the problem is that there's too much death. That's the problem. The violence makes it impossible to defend it but you know sometimes and this by the way i'm not taking this seriously but sometimes you almost wish that you just go that for the sake of the benefit of humanity that you you make them all just like give 50 percent of their profit back to society whether you decide to tell them whether they they can't be arrested or not that's a separate story but some of that money has to go back into it just it just has to, because the reality is that the money is too strong to stop the corruption. So there'll always be corruption related to this profit. So why not just? I'm not saying I'm not even saying legalize it. I'm not saying that these people should get off, but I am saying the corruption is happening anyway. So why not just legitimize the corruption and say that we're still trying to crack down on these drug deals, but we are also getting uh, a huge amount of money. Uh, regardless because uh, at least then some of the corruption at least we could know who's getting the fucking money you know i know this is stupid i i know i'm being silly here i i'm aware of it but i think you know what i'm saying it's like the 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 pretense of being able, and and by the way if the kinahans go down right that nothing changes uh, you know like how many fucking nar- like narcos dublin is that coming I mean, let's face it. We're all dying for fucking Narcos Dublin, you know. I better get a fucking roll on that. I think I could play Christy Kinahan, actually. You know, I'm fucking. I actually didn't come to think about it. I was looking at him the other day. Not a bad looking guy, Christy Kinahan. You know, I'm gonna fucking look. I'm gonna get him up in the fucking on my thing here. I, I holy shit! I just, I think I'm gonna play Christy Kinahan in Narcos Bala Aklia. I can't believe it i can't believe this is happening oh i could definitely oh my god i could definitely play christy Kinnan. holy shit anyway as i said i'm being silly and i know that don't come at me don't cancel me i'm being silly i know it okay i'm aware um but if you're looking for a quick synopsis of the uh rise of the Kinnan drug cartel uh nice little um concise article uh by Conor Lally today in the Irish Times. Uh, Our 1980s Irish fraudster became one of the U.S. most wanted drug dealers. Uh, Narcos, Oliver Bond. Um, So the last thing I want to say is Happy Easter to everybody. It shocks me how unaware I was of Easter coming up this year. It's baffling to me. How far I have drifted from Catholicism, considering that Easter used to be such a huge part of my childhood. Like, I remember the excitement of waking up and going to find, like Irish people do the chocolate Easter eggs, but we always did like the Easter basket. So, you know, chocolate Easter bunnies, you know, I like trying to find them hidden and it was so exciting, you know. But honestly, you know what's weird? I used to love kissing the cross. Like, I used to think that, like, Good Friday Mass was so cool. There was something so, like, gothic about lining up to kiss the cross, you know? Plus, it was just different because obviously Mass could be so boring, you know? But Good Friday was like, we're going to kiss the cross, you know? And then Palm Sunday. I used to love Palm Sunday, you know? And then you would keep the palm and then return it the next year to make Ashes for Ash Wednesday, you know? Lent. I didn't even ponder Lent. Lent used to be fun, giving up shit for Lent, you know, such a huge part. And now, just like, like when Ash Wednesday rolls around, I see people at Ashes. I'm like, what? Are you still, are we, are we still doing this? Like, is this still happening? Like, oh my God. And I, I'm aware that some people probably here are practicing Catholics. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful in, in any way, but I am just talking about my own drift from Catholicism, considering it was such a huge part of my childhood. Uh, and I do have to say that getting dressed up for Easter Sunday mass, all that stuff was was fun, but you know, mass was boring, especially, I always feel, was it Palm Sunday? As an altar boy, there was always one gospel that was like, I think it was Palm Sunday's gospel was like an hour long. It was torture, fucking torture. And you had to stand up for the gospel. And I used to get, like, even in my youth, I would get uncomfortable standing up for so long. Um, but, uh, yeah, that it, it, it's a ama- Like somebody was like, I, I had no idea until about five days ago that this was Easter weekend coming. You know how I realized I was at the gym rehabbing and it's full of fucking kids. And I was like, ah, bollocks Easter holidays. Um, so, uh, and the stations of the cross, like, when you think about it, really, like it's so brutal Catholicism. <laughs> And like the messaging is like so odd. Like I would never, and I I, I I, think it's fine if you're raising your children Catholic, okay? And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just talking about my own evolution and my own relationship with Catholicism, okay? So this is personal to me, but for me personally, I would never raise my child to sort of like live with with a direct connection to such a violent story as the crucifixion. Like, it's such a brutal story. And to, to then connect sort of like so much of our morality to this sense of this man endured this suffering for our sins, you know, and that the only way for salvation is to accept Him, you know. It's it's too brutal. It's too dark, you know. Like I was a child, and I was fascinated by it, you know. Like I remember Easter; there'd always be some like some like the story of Jesus series would come on TV, and you know, it was almost like meeting somebody famous because you know you're in school, uh, in a Catholic school. And Easter comes up, and you have to do the Stations of the Cross. And uh, Jesus falls for the third time. And, you know, they spit on him. And it's, you know, it's, like, horrific, you know? But then you, like, see it on TV. And you're like, wow. It's like, wow, this is, oh, wow, this is it. This is that story, you know? And, uh, you know, Palm Sunday, he comes in. All hail the king of the Jews. And then, the you know, the next time he's up the hill, and people are spitting on him. And the whole thing is, like... But I used to love watching it, though. I was I was fascinated. And then, like, I, you know, I used to be, I used to obsess about how much it must have hurt to have the nail hammered in. And they would, like, they wouldn't show the nail going in, but, like, they'd show, like, whatever the actor's face, like, the suffering, you know, when the hammer went in. And I know crucifixions really happened, but, like, that level of violence would not be acceptable for a child to watch except that it's the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It's so brutal. But what was worse, I was so fascinated by it. Like, so into it. Uh, and that's all because I had that narrative programmed into me. You know, it's literally like a decision by adults to mold a child into this brutal narrative and make it part of their core like it's it's still to this day despite my drift from catholicism still a huge part of my identity it's a huge part of my values judeo-christian values you know they are at so much the core of my being you know sin and shame and all the negative connotations that were associated with that it's crazy i would never never have my kids into that. Honestly. And I do I've talked about this before, but I do not have negative associations with some of the ceremony and the pageantry and the commitment that came with Catholicism. I do actually think that there were there were positives to going to mass on Sunday, gathering uh with a, with a, a collective consensus on what's good i just have evolved away from that consensus i do wish that society had found something perhaps to replace it that just gave people a sense of community like i feel that sometimes there is a a lack of community that has come from the absence in not all areas but the absence of that uh I don't know, thing that makes people say we need to come together. I feel that we're lacking as a result, particularly in Ireland, where it was just not lazily, but just society, just very quickly structured itself around the Catholic church. You can go into the, the history of how that happened post-famine Ireland became increasingly Catholic and the church became way too powerful and it became part of the identity of Irish nationalism. And then it got sort of enshrined in the constitution and is very, a dark number of decades where the church ruled and took advantage of, of that power. I know that the, the power and the, the corruption and the, obviously the other dark shit that happened as a result of the Catholic church's power is not Catholicism per se, but needless to say, uh, the sort of lazy reliance on Catholicism to organize uh, society, uh, the health service, education—you know, just just the amount of involvement that the Catholic Church had on Irish society—the uh, fact that now that has been dismantled, like it feels sometimes, it might be a little bit of a hole in terms of community, um, gathering together. Luckily, there's still great organizations like the GAA. Um, uh, that's the first one that comes to mind because it was another organization that you know, very much became uh, an integral part of societal organization, you know, particularly not just with sport, but also with uh, social gatherings. So, anyway, um, so I don't look back at having to go to mass really with much disdain. I mean, I joke because it was boring, but I don't know. There's a lot to be said for routine uh there's a lot to be said for discipline uh and uh, you know and and uh commitment uh duty I guess things that are I'm not too into shoulds but I do feel as a society there there, there should be a sense of some sense of obligation to the community and there was an element of that with Catholicism that I think possibly maybe underappreciated or certainly like is lacking now but i don't want any of the the baggage that comes with catholicism but i do wish that there was some way to unite society a little bit more or 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 make society feel a little bit more connected communally within your community Uh, i don't know what that is i think we're further and further away from it because of the internet but um that is one thing I sort of miss, but I don't know. I don't have kids, but if I have kids, I feel like I'll be looking for that. You know what I mean? And I would never get my kids back into Catholicism you know, as, as a way to get into that, but I feel like I'll be looking for it in some way. And I'm not exactly sure what it is. Maybe there's more out there than I realize, but I don't have kids yet, so I haven't had to seek it out. But I would be looking for something. But I don't know what um, so tomorrow's Easter Sunday I it'll literally be another day for me in fact uh I'm getting uh I have a gardener coming he's not he's actually a property maintenance guy to tidy up my front and back to power wash my windows and uh he came over yesterday to price the job and he was like I can do Sunday and Monday And I was like, are you religious? And he was like, no, I couldn't be any further from religion. And I thought, wow, where have we come? You know, like when I think of my childhood, to think that I would hire somebody to power wash my windows on Easter Sunday. I mean, it was literally like we would have, so, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter always was at my house growing up. And like Easter Sunday, we'd have so many people over the house. It was a big event. To think that it's just like a day where my windows are getting power washed and I might go for a coffee, it's shocking to me. You know, and we'd all be dressed up. And like our neighborhood, by the way, is like full of, you know, Catholics and Greek Orthodox. So whatever, every four years, every six years, Greek Easter was the same as Catholic Easter. But like, so like on the day where like Greek Easter and Catholic Easter coincided, I mean like our fucking neighborhood, there'd be like four times as many kids, everybody's fucking cousins over. I mean, it was like... You know, it was it was chaos. You know, in a beautiful way. You know, you you know, you'd see the you know like the 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 people you'd only see on holidays, your own cousins and then other people's cousins, you know? It was such a huge day. And now it literally I it could have came and went and I wouldn't have realized. It's shocking. That's a big change in a lifetime. Obviously if I had kids, they'd also be on holidays and I'd be resenting that. You know, I'd be resenting having to entertain them. Um who knows maybe i'll change but uh that's it really that's it for today that was that was like a it was a it was a it was a, it was a lot going on in, in in this episode today and i i'm tired i didn't have a great sleep last night but uh uh i hope you guys i hope i hope you guys enjoyed it um I mean, I feel like there's more to talk about in Catholicism because I, I, I'm joking every night about, you know, I'm, I'm singing the hymns and everything. And, like, there is a, that is the one fun thing about Ireland is this, just this, uh, the fact that so much of the population that has gone through it, like, it always kills me that I don't have that material in the States. You know, like, even years ago, I used to have material about communion and, you know, like, you just can't, you know, you just can't really do it, you know? Uh, and, and there's not the same sort of catholic pride like I, I joke sometimes in new york about how like in new york jewish comedians get up and be like any jews in the crowd and they'll be like a lot of people are like woo because Jew, you know judaism's not just a religion it's like an identity it's a it's a it's a nationality uh, it's a you know it, it's just a deeper and, and it's it's just an ethnic group right whereas like catholicism is just a religion so like so jews are going to be like any jews and be like, like you know 30, 30% of the crowd be like woo yeah you know, like yeah we're Jews yeah. You know? so sometimes they get up and I'll be like yeah any Catholics in the crowd and like you know probably the same amount people are like yeah I, I guess <laughs> nobody whoops <laughs> there's nobody like yeah whoo come on Catholicism you going to mass tomorrow did you get mass <laughs> so uh, it's just it's just not the same particularly in the states you know you just can't. You know, like, I'm singing Be Not Afraid every night, like, knowing everyone's going to fucking rip into Be Not Afraid, whereas, like, you know, it certainly wouldn't be the case in the States. So anyway, listen, uh, we'll be back um, next week. Uh, The the pod with McSavage is good. We've recorded a couple episodes. We took some pictures. I'm waiting for the pictures. We're going to be getting that up in a couple of weeks. Um, Hit me up on Instagram, at Des Bishop. um, Snapchat, Des Bishop 5. Uh, facebook.com forward slash des bishop uh tick tock des bishop oh did i say that there's five wow it's dead snapchat is des buffer i think i said des bishop five. snapchat is des buffer um and uh, do check out the shows listen we need reviews on Apple Podcasts. Go on to Apple Podcasts. Swipe past the episode. You see ratings and review. Give us five stars and also leave a review. Just say, I love the pod. Uh, gets us up the charts. Uh, spread the word. Spotify, screenshots. Tell everybody you know. Tell them that the Desbyshire Podcast is back every week. Brightening up your weekend on a Saturday. Uh, see you in Waterford for tonight. Uh, peace and love. Happy Easter. Um Happy Greek Easter whenever that comes up. Happy Ramadan for the the Muslims. I, I don't know what you're supposed to say for, for for Ramadan, but I drive past the mosque and there's a lot of activity there. I know Ramadan is on. It might be just finished actually, because there was a huge amount of activity there yesterday or the day before. Uh happy every everything you ever celebrate, ever. You know? Happy Atheism Day, happy open mindedness happy sense of let's try to get more united as a society and drive towards a common good in the face of all this horrible shit that we've been hearing about lately let's try to focus on the positivity see you next week thanks